Welcome to 2017, everybody. If you've already uh, found yourself here, uh, it's lovely to see everybody today. And um, we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you want to turn there and find the right spot for that, and uh, we will be having it read for us for a minute by Kate. That's right. So we'll get there in a moment. Not just in a moment. Had you both worried there. So um, let me see if I can make something work, and I want to see if I can make. Ever increasing glory is the title of our lesson today. Ever increasing glory. So we see in Second Corinthians chapter three, a wonderful promise from God. Uh, you could subtitle this lesson "The Ministry of the Spirit." What will happen this year it is to God's glory in this church and in our lives will be via the ministry of the Spirit. It will be the Spirit doing His work in us and through us that will be to His glory. It requires, it involves our efforts and our own hearts, but ultimately the actual uh, building of the Kingdom is done by the ministry of the Spirit, which then trans- which transforms us into Christ-likeness, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Uh, just As many of you know, I was in Singapore last week, sorry I missed you, uh, someone had to be there. Um, <laughs> And so I was there for the wedding of TJ and Sonia. Many, some of you will know those wonderful people. It was great to be there. Um, that was a picture put up by somebody. And underneath, someone wrote, "Wow, you look beautiful." So I thought, "Well, that's very nice of you." Um, <laughs> but I think they might have been talking about the bride and groom. Actually, um, it was fun to be there and to be with the church in Singapore, which is uh, you know led by a number of people that are old friends of Penny's and mine, including John and Karen Louie who we've known for over 30 years. It's a, it's a great, encouraging congregation of around a thousand people right there in Singapore and coordinating the work throughout the whole sort of South Asia area uh, of that part of the world, Indonesia, uh, Thailand, Japan, um, Cambodia, and many other, many other spots around there. So very inspiring to be there. Well, I did the wedding and I did nearly everything in the wedding. I did everything really, except lead a couple of songs. And the only reason I didn't lead the songs is because I had a sore throat. So they had to find somebody else to step in. But I did absolutely everything else. Afterwards, a lady came up to me and she said, where are you from? I said, I- I- I'm from England. She said, where? I said, well, Watford, just outside London. And she said, you came here for the, for the wedding. I said, yeah, that's going to come to the wedding. She said, so what's it like sort of going all over the world doing weddings? Because <laughs> she assumed that was my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite, quite a nice job. I wonder if I could get that job. Be fun to do. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's what was going on there. And this is a picture of a young lady who sang in the church service on the Sunday. Uh, I've written her name down, um, but she's there sharing her testimony. She became a Christian a week ahead of this, actually, just a week before, and she's the current. Uh, in Jakarta, in Indonesia, in Indonesia, she's the current pop idol winner. What? So she's the national winner of that competition. She sang a duet with a previous winner, who's also a disciple, who's the one who led her to go. Uh, so both in the entertainment industry. So I think the 2014 and 2017 winners were both on stage there uh, uh, in Singapore, but they're from the church in Jakarta and in Indonesia. So isn't it encouraging to know that? God is reaching into all the echelons <coughs> of media and society and all these different places. And uh, you can imagine um, the singing was pretty good. 
Not as good as Watford, obviously, but uh, pretty good nonetheless. So that was encouraging. So just taking our minds away from Singapore and back here to Watford. Are you looking forward to 2017? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the bits of it that are left after the first 14 days, as a side pointed out, we've had those. But are you really looking forward to it? And I really am. And part of the reason I am is because of 2016. Honestly, I think 2016, I mean, globally, one could point to a lot of things that, you know, may not have been great. But actually, I think locally, things have been fantastic. And I know some of us have had, you know, there were challenges last year in 2016. But I think overall, what an amazing thing God did in, in starting us here. I mean, this is our first anniversary. Uh, we should have a cake. I didn't think of that. Okay. Sarah, yeah. Everybody looks at Sarah. <laughs> when we talk about the cake. Uh, okay, so, uh, next, well, maybe next week. But it, it, it is right to celebrate what God has done. And God has kept us together this last 12 months, and um, it's been great to see what God has done. Uh, a lot of friends have been coming. Week after week, we have friends at church. Uh, without, it doesn't seem to me like even trying very hard. Uh, it's like the Spirit does that. Um, I think the, the development of the men and their speaking capabilities and, and willingness to uh, step up to that and speak and preach and act has been a great encouragement for me personally. But I know talking to the rest of the congregation that everybody really appreciates uh, the men stepping a lot of us out of our, our comfort zones. I think that's been fantastic. Everybody's served. Everybody's used their gifts this last 12 months. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are without uh, everybody playing their part. I think that's been a fantastic thing to the glory of God to see that. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, special events. I've enjoyed our harvest service here, the craft stuff we did then, the Christmas crafts, uh, going out to the woods for our forest service. Uh, thanks to Joe for organising all that. Uh, Christmas caroling was great fun. Thanks Bill for bringing your guitar to that. that was, it was just, yeah, we've had lots of fun stuff doing things together. The the opportunity to connect with the food bank and be part of that and, and help with that has been excellent. And there's been a lot of other fun stuff to do with birthdays and times of deep talks together and, and many good things. That's last year. Wonderful. What about the new year? Where is the spirit taking us? I think that's where, that's what should make us prayerful as a congregation. Is God make us aware of where you're taking Rather than just trying to us go somewhere, where do you want us to go? And that takes some prayer, personally, I think, and, and perhaps collectively. And I think our passage today may help us with some of this. How do we figure this out, where God wants us to be in, uh, in this coming year? So let's read our passage, perhaps if you can come up and do that. That's okay. That'd be great. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's hear these words of God uh, before we talk about it some more. glory 
and if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such hope, we are, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at, at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil comes covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who are with unveiled faces all reflect the, the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Mm. What an interesting passage. What a great passage. Do you notice how often the word glory comes up in this passage, glorious? This is the, the theme here. We've got uh, glory, glory, glorious, 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 glory, 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 glorious, glory, glory, and uh, there's more glory down here, glory. There's an awful lot of glory here, and of course it's about glory to God, and our, we're going to talk today about our part in that. The word comes up 16 times in this passage and in the following verses at the beginning of chapter 4, so it's a theme that Paul is going uh, to tell on here, glory for God. I think... I think there's only really one way to be certain of having an exciting, positive, spirit-filled 2017. There's only one way. It's not going to be because we, we get all of our prayers answered. It's not going to be because we see everything work out the way we want to. It's not going to be because we kept all our New Year's resolutions, though that might be a good thing. I think the only way to be sure of having an exciting 2017 is to decide to enjoy the way God decides to help you grow this year. Let me just say that again and think about it for a minute. I think the only way to really have an exciting year with God is to decide to enjoy the way that God decides to help you grow this year. If we can enjoy, decide to enjoy the way to, to cooperate with and to be excited about the way that He is wanting to and desiring and hoping that we will grow, then we'll have an exciting year. It doesn't mean it'll be easy or pleasant. But it will be exciting with God. And I think that's what he's talking about here with transformation. Transformation into Christ-likeness. That's an exciting idea. But we've got to cooperate with it if we're going to see God's glory brought about. So there are some ifs in this passage. So we'll talk about those briefly. And then I've got a, there's some things for us to think about personally and as a church. So the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? The first thing the Spirit does is it takes us from death to life, it says in this passage. In Romans chapter 8 it says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of spirit and I'm oh, sorry, the law of sin and death. So in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul is contrasting the law and Moses with Jesus and the New Covenant. Old Covenant and New Covenant. There's a contrast going on right there. And if the old was so amazing then the new is so much better, let's grasp this ministry of the Spirit rather than the ministry of the law. And he's reminding us that we've been brought by the Spirit from death into life. We have, as Christians, gone from darkness into light. What an amazing thing. 
It gives us hope for the future. That's already glorious. How much more glorious it will be to grow in this new life. That's kind of his point. Then also the Spirit takes us from condemnation to righteousness, into righteousness. Romans chapter 3 verse 18 to 26. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. So that's what the law does. It helps us to understand. Okay, we don't match up. We are sinners. But apart from the law, uh, from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. So there's a different way now. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are, all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We've gone from a place of condemnation to a place of righteousness, not by what we've done, but what Christ has done for us, and we celebrate that as one of the reasons we take communion. Thanks for saying you're doing that today for us. That's one of the reasons we, we celebrate that. There's glory there. Also, the Spirit takes us from, let's go back, takes us from what is passing to what is lasting. What is passing to what is lasting. So the old covenant was temporary, the new covenant is permanent. It talks about it being transitory back in our passage in 2 Corinthians 3. As it also says in Hebrews 7, Now there have been many of those priests, in the, other, the high priests in the Old Covenant days, since death prevented them from, from continuing in office. But, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. One of the joys of the Christian life is to know that Jesus still lives, and intercedes for us, that when we pray, that he hears those prayers, he acts on those prayers, and takes those prayers to God, God hears those prayers through him. And so, wonderful thing. There's nothing more to come, nothing superior. So, the, the thought I have as an introduction to what I then want to talk about in terms of the ministry of the Spirit in our lives is this. The Spirit is not going to be able to do His work in our lives and in our church if we're insecure about our salvation. All of what we just talked about should give us security about our salvation. We've been taken from condemnation to righteousness, from, from death into life, from something that was temporary to something that is permanent and lasting and eternal. This gives us our confidence. What gives us our confidence? We have a lot of talents in this church. That should not give us our confidence. We have a lot of energy. Um, no, we don't. We don't have much energy in this church. We have, we have a lot of gifts and talents. We have a, a lot of experience in the Christian life in this church. We have all of our years of experience. It would be centuries. So, but that's not what should give us our confidence. We have a lot of beautiful looking people here. Especially Tunde and Ava. But that's not our confidence, right? Some of us have a, a, quite a reasonable amount of money in our income. I mean, I know these are economic times are difficult in some ways, and some of them are not true for all of us, but some of us, we're okay, you know? That should not give us our confidence. Our Bible knowledge is <coughs> helpful, but it should not be the thing, right? Our confidence comes from the fact that we have been saved by God, by His grace, and that's a settled matter in God's heart and mind. That's not so, if we're wandering around worrying about our salvation, I would encourage you, this is the 15th of January, sort that out. I mean, talk to someone, pray, meet up with people to discuss it. If you're insecure about your state before God, then sort that out for us. If we're not secure, how can the Spirit do His work in us? Because this is always nagging away in the back of our mind. So that's one thought from this introduction here. Don't be insecure. I think the second thing is, we have to deal with the issue of sometimes being dissatisfied with our faith. And dissatisfied with God. Or disappointed with God. And when you look back at 2016, there might be things from last year. 
that make you feel a bit dissatisfied with God and His work and disappointed with God. Things didn't work out, prayers weren't answered. You know, another 12 months has gone by and my children are still not right with God. That's something I have to reckon with, right? And we all have things like that, the disappointments we've got. And again, if we're going to see the Spirit's work happen in our lives, I think we've got to be honest with God about those disappointments and not kind of just pretend they're not there. And again, maybe that's something for us to meet up and talk and pray together to help each other with that kind of thing, because it's very real for a lot of us. Somebody said this, I read this recently, that um, sometimes God puts salt on our lips to make us thirsty for Him. Sometimes God puts salt on our lips to make us thirsty for Him. And maybe the disappointments that we've had, or the discouragements and dissatisfaction, actually are the things that can draw us closer to God. Uh, I speak to a group, and we all know each other pretty well, and we've all got challenges in our lives. A lot of them pertaining to a lack of energy <laughs> and busyness. If we can resolve, if we can take that to God and, and, and leave that with God, okay, it's a challenge, but we, we're content that you can handle this. God and you can give us what we need, I think then the Spirit can work through our lives. So let me just say that and then we'll move on to some uh, key points here. We are secure with God, Ephesians 1. Now, consequences of the what we've just talked about, the fact we are secure with God, we have a new life and all that kind of thing is three things. Firstly, it says the Spirit makes us bold. It makes us bold. Verse 12, therefore since we have such a hope we are very bold. Since we have a hope of eternal life, we are very bold. Bold doesn't necessarily mean loud. Just want to make a point about this. It's not necessarily about being a, a rabid extrovert or being very loud. But it does make us bold. Bold can be quiet and it can be different from uh, what the world sometimes thinks of as bold. But it does make us bold. The, the church in the book of Acts, if it's anything, is really bold. The apostles, if they're anything, are really bold. They stand up in front of crowds. They've never preached in front of crowds before. I don't think Peter ever preached in front of 3,000 people until he, or more until he did that on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. You know, when Paul's, the persecutions of Paul and Peter and John and others, they were very bold. They were beaten, stood up and preached. Very bold. They were in pagan territory. Never, people never heard even of Jesus. They were very bold. It's part of being a Christian life that we're very bold. And that has to be fueled by the Spirit, doesn't it? Because, A, most of us, or many of us at least, are not naturally very bold. And I speak for myself, I'm a timid person, really. I don't like being bold. So, partly it's to do with our personality, our character, whatever, that we're not very bold sometimes. But also, sometimes, we need the Spirit because we need to have the right motives for being bold. Because some of us might like being bold. We like, you know, maybe that's part of our ego thing. I don't know. And you like that boldness, that rush, that adrenaline thing when you're bold. But maybe it's really more a self-aggrandizement thing and, and a look at me thing. It's not really surrendered to God. So we need the Spirit to help us to be very bold for the right reasons. That's what we should pray for. I think as a church, honestly, I'd like to ask us to pray for boldness. All of us to pray for Spirit-filled boldness. Boldness in our prayers. I mean, I think that's where it begins. The early church, when they were faced with persecution back in Acts 5, what did they do? They gathered together to pray and, it, and it, God made them bold. They prayed a bold prayer. Now they didn't pray for God to take the persecution away. They said, God, give us strength. And the Holy Spirit came and made them very bold since they spoke the word of God boldly. So I think it begins with prayer. 15 days into the year. How bold are your prayers? How bold are they? How audacious? 
How challenging to your own faith. How bold are we? Begins there, and then I think it takes us uh, further. You know, the world often has more boldness than we do. Um, so let me see if I can switch this correctly here. Introduction to this thing that says 10-year vision here. So uh, Thursday and Friday, I spent two days with various church leaders around from Watford, uh, of all denominations, Quaker, um, Catholic, Baptist, uh, Free Church, Seventh-day Adventist, many different groups. And it's uh, an organization called Christians Across Watford that I've got connected with, and they're lovely people. But a two-day retreat up in Hertfordshire, and uh, one of the events that we had during our retreat was the visit of the Mayor of Watford, Baroness Dorothy Thornhill. Yeah, who's a very interesting lady and uh, and has faith, and she's a Catholic actually, and uh, and very uh, her faith really strongly informs the way that she uh, lives her life. And a very interesting person, and she came to address the 32 church leaders that were there from across Watford and talked to us about uh, what she sees as the needs of the town. And we had a good discussion with her about what difference can Christians make in Watford. You know, how can we work together as churches or, or as individual congregations? To help make Watford a better place. So like a kingdom perspective. The king, we're a kingdom people. We bring blessings everywhere we go. It, we should be making a difference to Watford. Or, or Chorleywood or Chesham or wherever exactly we live. But, and it was very interesting to listen to her talk about this. And she took, took from her perspective. And I'll share more about that in a minute. But she uh, uh, mentioned this. Which some of you might have seen. Let me see if I can uh, make this work. Right, good idea. Yeah. So the park, um, 6.6 .6 million from the lottery has been uh, gone into that. Uh, <laughs> come on, the lottery, probably, yeah. The adverts. Okay, the Intu Center, the development there uh, will be significant. 1,125 new jobs, new cinema, uh, more housing. One new house. More, more than one. Housing estate, 133 new homes, Croxley Business Park, new, new buildings there. Uh, the Medline Extension, Leeds Lord may come soon. Uh, Watford General Hospital campus, how much? Billion, I mean millions and millions. Uh, 350 million. And so, and more housing, and new schools, new school there, not new school there, lots of, lots of stuff going on. So, you've got. Tremendous amount of vision and money and energy being pumped into these things. We don't have to compete with that. That's not the point, you know. But, but it's, if people that are thinking about Watford as a town want to make it better in terms of health, education, and transport, what difference can we make? By the power of the Spirit, we can make a huge difference in our neighborhood, in our street, and everywhere. But it takes boldness. Vision takes boldness. And that's where I think prayer is the, uh, the key uh, to all of that. The Spirit also makes us unveiled people, it says here. Makes them unveiled. Not like Moses, verse 13, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Uh, we don't have that veil. Christ has removed the veil. Uh, the Israelites could not find God through the law. Uh, we have found God by turning to Him. And I, I think, so what does that mean? I think it means taking seriously passages like John 15. Where Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. If we, if we want to see God move in our lives, if we want the Spirit to, to transform us, it means abiding in Christ. Living in Him, dwelling in Him, 
Uh, he's our priority. We, we love him and we love to spend time with him. This is the, the thrust of John 15, a part of which I have on the, on the screen behind me here. This, this is what it's about. He says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. We are friends of Jesus Christ. He's our friend. The, 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 part, the, the, the one who took part in the creation of the universe is our friend. The one who lived our life, like Osagi talked about for all those years, is our friend. You know, we, that's, if we can grasp that, the, the veil having been taken away, we have this face-to-face relationship with God. That will give us the strength we need for the transformation that God will, take about, that will bring about in our lives. So, I suppose the question for us is, what gets in the way? What gets in the way of us having that face-to-face time with God? Uh, in God's Word, in our time of prayer, in our time of reflection about what, what God is doing, noticing what God is doing. What gets in the way? If there are distractions, let's deal with them on the 15th of January and decide, I don't want to be distracted. I will make that time. I will find the opportunity to let God be my friend and be friends with Him, unveiled, so that we're not spiritually dull. Growing in the fruits of the Spirit is what happens when we're face to face with God. This is the thing, Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. Transformation into Christ-likeness, 2 Corinthians 3, is the ministry of the Spirit. So what is that ministry producing in us? Part of it is growing the fruit of the Spirit. Our love, our joy, our peace, our forbearance, our kindness, our goodness, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our self-control. Wouldn't you like to grow in these? Wouldn't your spouse like you to grow in these? Wouldn't your friends like you to grow in these? Wouldn't your children like you to grow in these? Well, we'd all like each other to grow in these. How do we do that? Surrendering ourselves to the work of the Spirit in our lives. Enjoying our unveiled relationship with God. What we come sometimes call quiet times, but even more than just a quiet time, walking with Him. Finally, the Spirit makes us liberated people. It says in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Lots of people come to freedom, I think Paul's talking about here. Firstly, freedom from the bondage of the law. Secondly, freedom from bad memories. Thirdly, freedom from condemnation. Fourthly, freedom to enjoy a relationship with God as His children, and freedom not to indulge but to serve others. The scriptures on the screen there that uh, express that more fully from Romans 4. Uh, sins are not counted against us. Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Romans 8, we've got the spirit of sonship there, we've been adopted. And Galatians 5, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly. What wonderful scriptures and what wonderful promises they come about because we've been given freedom in Christ. What an amazing thing. So this is where we are. We have that freedom. The fact that uh, homelessness has quadrupled in Watford in the last few years. It's quadrupled. And that's shocking. However, I want to bring you this encouragement. She said that homelessness has quadrupled, but we know the names of every homeless person in Watford. We know them by name. And that's because of Christian agencies. It's because of New Hope. 
It's because of street angels. It's because of other church groups going out and talking to homeless people. It's because of the food bank, which is essentially a Christian organization. Because of Christian work in this town, we know the names of every homeless person. Now, I can't imagine being homeless, and I wouldn't like it to be. But can you imagine being homeless and then finding that the people who know your name are people who have faith in Jesus Christ? Isn't that an incredible opportunity for us to be able to show compassion and touch people's <coughs> lives, bringing the kingdom to people? It's a wonderful thing. Uh, it was reported in the food bank. I'm not going to go to another web page because the last time was like a fuffle. But uh, this is a link to the food bank report on the Watford Observer website. You're welcome to go to, which we, many of us took part in. And they, they collected tons of stuff for people who really, really need it. It's a powerful thing that Christians can do if we think about uh, what the needs are. Old people alone is, a, is, she would say, is probably the biggest blight in Watford at the moment. Old people alone. Day after day, not seeing anybody. And again, the biggest, pe- the biggest difference that people are making is Christian groups, particularly churches with buildings, hosting people, going on picking them and taking them to coffee mornings and things like that. What could we do personally? We, got, we don't, don't have a building, that's okay, but what can we do personally for lonely people around us? They're, they are there, it's just we don't notice them because they are isolated and alone. Pray, can we pray about that? And God connect us with the lonely around us. Maybe they're elderly, maybe they're not, but who could we be a friend to? I think that's a big deal. Um, poverty is a challenge. Uh, the Brexit issue, which is not a whole other political thing, is a bit of a challenge. Watford in the whole country was the nearest to 50-50 of any place in the UK, which is interesting, which is not a bad thing necessarily in itself, but it means we have a divided town. And that could create tensions. And our, as Christians, can we, what can we do to help create peace amongst different <coughs> viewpoints and different cultural groups? At this point in Watford, we don't have major um, cultural tensions, but they could develop. And maybe we need to be the kind of people that can bring healing where there has been uh, division in this kind of area. Talked about the hospital. Um, the hospital is just about out of special measures, not for general. Though it does great work, but it is, it is challenging and the morale of the staff is at rock bottom. So uh, she talked about the difference that somebody wrote a letter to the hospital after they received care or relatives of theirs had received care. And this person wrote to the hospital and thanked them, and thanked the ward and staff, and said, please pin this on the staff notice board. And they did. And it made a huge difference to people. What about doing something like that? I mean, I've written a letter to thank the hospital uh, for the care they've given uh, Charles' mum. And uh, I haven't posted it yet. I've written it, and I've got it ready. And I'm going to send it off to the ward and the people that took great care of Charles' mum. Um, I'm going to write it as the minister of the Watford Church of Christ, you know, to let them know that we care and we are grateful. And I don't know what difference it will make hugely, but imagine you get letters from church people. They care. The people of the kingdom care. And it's not to kind of make a point for ourselves, but it's, it's, to, it's to really care. It's not writing a letter for the sake of it. It's actually, it matters to you. And I, I thought about hospital care I've received, and Penny's received, and our son, Fred, he could have died, received. And I didn't write a letter, actually, then. And I felt bad if I didn't. But what can we do as kingdom people to show the compassion and the care, Christ-like care, of the kingdom to the people around us? What could we do? There are lots of things we could do. So just to finish off here, 
Christ took all the veil away. In Matthew 27, the veil when he died was torn into, the curtain was torn into so that we could have direct access to God. Because we have this relationship with God, we are very bold. Boldness is a symptom of the joyous freedom that we enjoy in Christ. Let us be this year a Watford Church bold in Christ, so that we can be transformed in His likeness, as it says here, transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That will be true for us personally, be true for us as a church, and will bring the kingdom to Watford, to Chorley Wood, to wherever we live, in a way that glorifies God. Thank you very much.